Welcome to Faith Football Friends. I'm Chris Elrod here with Cole Parsley. And I'm Forrest Animaceris. <laughs> oh, uh, no, you're not, but okay. <laughs> Don't know why you just introduced each other, but hey, now you know who's here. Just understand that it's the opposite voice that goes with that name. Um, so, uh, Cole, why don't you go ahead and introduce our faith topic after that unorthodox introduction? All right. So I want to talk a little bit about you hear these these fairy tale stories. Um, they always end with a happy ending. Well, this one's a story that the saddest story ever told. And it's a little bit different from what you're expecting. The saddest story ever told is any time an atheist professor gets up and says there is no God. Hmm. That is the saddest story ever told. It's the saddest story ever told because all of our sufferings we're going through right now, they're happening for no reason. All of the horrible things you can think of in your life, they didn't have a, a good reason behind them. A God who's in control, controlling things. No, none of that. They just happened for no reason. They just happened. The loved ones you've lost, you're not going to see them again. They just died. That's how it is. There is no God. We're going to break this down, and that is the saddest story ever told. So for full disclosure, this is something by William Lane Craig, right? Is it a video? Yes, yes. I'm sorry. So William Lane Craig, if you don't know who that is, he's a, an apologist, which means he defends uh, something. The thing that at which William Lane Craig defends is the Christian faith. And uh, he debates atheists all the time. He's debated Jews, Ben Shapiro. We just saw some link that says he debated him a month ago. Don't know if that's true. I want to watch it, though. Ben Shapiro is a Jew. William Lane Craig is a Christian. But uh, he gave, I think it was at a university, he gave this speech in which he was talking about the saddest story ever told. And I just found it really compelling. Um, it makes sense. And it, and it highlights the aspect of the Christian faith, which is we have hope. We have something to look forward to, and that's what drives us. Yeah, for sure. Uh, William and Craig, probably the apologist of our lifetime, if not, like, for sure the 21st century. Some people would maybe even argue beyond that, but for sure the 21st century. Um, of course, 21st century is just like a fifth of the way through. So maybe that's not fair. Either way, uh, really, really great, really great apologist. And we'll post a link to that in the show notes. But, and it's not that William Lane Craig's saying that because Christianity gives us hope, that means it's true. But I think he he really exposes something that I think a lot of people don't think about. And that is the things we believe have implications like, so if you say you're an atheist, that's more than just saying, okay, I believe God does not exist. There's a lot of things that are implied by you saying that there is no God. Like, objective beauty no longer exists. Objective truth no longer exists. There is no hope. There is nothing after death. All of our sufferings meaningless and gratuitous. I mean, just the list goes on and on and on and on. And for me, um, having been an atheist, this was actually one of the things that got me thinking. Because I never thought about 
the implications of my own worldview, which sounds crazy, but I had never really thought about like, okay, I say I don't believe in God. I have reasons for not believing in God. And then I would just turn around and live my life as if it has a purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Almost right. like that's how I was built to live my life. Huh. Um, and I think that's one of like the great ironies. Like even the people who say there's no God, they have things they won't do. They have things that they think is wrong for other people to do. They live a life of purpose. Of course, it's self-ascribed purpose. But all of those things are inconsistent with the worldview of atheism. And we're not just saying this. Like, I mean, this is 100% verifiable. Like, greatest philosophers to exist in the past 200 years have talked about this stuff. Like, atheism leads to nihilism. The belief that, you know, there is no purpose, there is no ultimate meaning because there's no objective, transcendental anything. It's just chance, natural processes, like what you see is what you get, man. There's nothing else. And I think, you know, one of the crises we have in our culture and our country is a crisis of purpose. People are getting up every day not knowing why. You know, they're putting their feet out of their bed just directionlessly. Like, they don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know if anything means anything. And I think there's a really good opportunity for us as Christians to let our light shine and say, look, no, life does have a purpose. You are here for a reason. You know, God can use you to do great things. Um, but, yeah, saddest story ever told. Pretty crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I definitely agree that the world is hungry for purpose. You know, I think that, like, the world wants a place to a place to belong, and the world wants uh, a, a purpose. You know, and I, I say world as in everybody who makes up the world wants those things. And and I think you're exactly right. And I think this is you know what um, William Craig was getting at is the fact that. Without God, without the Creator, life is meaningless, and I think uh, that is a super important for us to to recognize. At Walter Hill the other day, one of our young men had the opportunity to preach. He's uh, one of our college students, and he's reading a book. I think it's called The Five Reasons for God, or, or something along those lines. I can't remember who it's about. Uh, Forrest, I texted you the name of the author. I don't know if you remember or not, but. Uh, well, we can put a, a link to that book in the show notes, I'm sure. But uh, one of the things he, he talked about in his sermon uh, that I assume he kind of gathered this principle from that book is that uh, without God, humans are as meaningless as a pile of rocks. But that with God, with a creator, we are so much more valuable. And like if you especially as you look at the value that God puts on us and that, you know, um, the, the value that he, he placed on us whenever he sent his son to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. Like that showed how valuable he saw us and, and it gave us purpose. And it's just so, so sad to think that there are people out there who live life not recognizing how blessed, how valued and how, um, perfect, purposefully, they were created. <clears throat> uh, 
Yeah, I just wanted to uh, to say like most of the time when I I've never had a point in my life in which I I wasn't a Christian. You could say like I, I grew up going to church and stuff. Um, not all the time, but I grew up hearing the Bible read from my parents and so forth. And so I always believed in God. There was never a time where I didn't. But when when I think of people in the world, as in people who aren't Christians, I think of, of maybe it's sin, maybe it's temptations, maybe it's a love for something in this world that, that makes them not want to go to Christianity. And of course, it's not always the case that that's, that's what happens. But when I heard this from William Lane Craig, it changed it from... They're not coming to Christianity because they believe they have something better to they don't they don't have anything in that lifestyle like it. It's meaningless. And and when I say that word, it doesn't it doesn't give the implication of what I'm feeling in my mind and in my heart when I when I say it or when I think about this, like like that's the deepest sorrow for me. I remember like four years ago, there was a time when when I was kind of struggling with life and I remember reasoning to myself and thinking, and, and I actually made the same, if there is no God, there's no point in me being here. But because there was a God, that that's what, because there is God, that's what kept me going, going forward in life. And so some people are in a dark place, and it's only that belief in God and knowing that their life does have a purpose that keeps them going. Yeah, I think, no, that's definitely true. And even, I mean... You know, in the absence of a creator or in the absence of a belief in God, really, I think the human disposition is to create oneself as their God. And the problem with that is, like, we're not. And we can want things for ourselves that are harmful. And we can, you know, we don't always have our best interests in mind, even though we think we do. Um, and maybe the saddest part is that there's a lot of people who just don't know what they're missing, you know, and I remember there's a quote and, um, I can't remember who is by a German philosopher about how no one is as helplessly enslaved as he who thinks he's free. And his whole point is, you know, if a slave doesn't know he's a slave, he's not going to try to be re- released from slavery because he, he doesn't know anything else, you know. Um, and I think for a lot of people in the world, like, that's the case. Like, oh, Christianity, that's too restrictive or that's too, like, that's not freeing enough. I want to do what I want. You know, you're taking stuff away from me. But it's like, listen. Uh, without God, you know, we're a slave to sin, we're a slave to meaninglessness, we're a slave to purposelessness. And one of the things that really stands out to me about this conversation is the book of Ecclesiastes. And the book of Ecclesiastes is, in a lot of ways, I think, personally, you can view it as almost, not, not in intent, not in intent, but in application, there is a lot of apologetic value in the book of Ecclesiastes because the book of Ecclesiastes is essentially an expose on the meaninglessness of life without God. And Solomon, well, I believe it's Solomon, I know that we could debate about that, whatever, is writing, hey, look, there's no God. What are you going to do? You're going to go to work. And you're going to get all this stuff and you're going to die and it's going to go to somebody else. 
and you could have the biggest garden, the most wives, the most concubines, the biggest palace, and you're still not going to be happy. You know what I mean? I mean, really, your only hope is really none. And he's like, what's the difference? Even says in Ecclesiastes at one point, what's the difference between a human and an animal? They're both going to die and they both get buried in the ground. And then, of course, you know, we know how that book ends. And he's like, all things have been heard. Life under the sun is futility, but there's something above the sun, God. And if we follow him, keep his commandments, he gives our life purpose. We're going to be judged in the end, so that's what we should do anyway. You know, like, I think the book of Ecclesiastes has a lot to say about this. That was a beautiful uh, paraphrase of Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12. I was I was impressed by that. Um, very well said. Uh and I think I think you're really onto something. You know, the whole the whole point is that you know, or Solomon's conclusion rather is, look, we're here to serve God. Like it's about Him and it's not about us. But we oftentimes get um, kind of blinded by that. And um, you were talking about our our uh, temptation to make ourselves uh, the God that we serve and. Uh, it reminded me of something uh, that um, Black, uh, excuse me, Mark Blackwelder said. Um, while I think he didn't say this at lectureship, he said it during a sermon before lectureship, and one of the speakers I heard during chapel um, quoted him at the at the Freed Hardeman lectureship and said that, uh, and he and he quoted Mar- Mark Blackwelder saying uh, that. The idol he has served the most is himself, or something along those lines. And I was just like, whoa, yeah, me too. And uh, oftentimes we think we know what's best for ourselves, but a lot of times we're thinking about what's best for ourselves within uh, this minute or within this moment or within this week or year. But we're not we're not able to see the big picture, and God is able to see the big picture, and We've recently been talking about in the at Walter Hill in the youth ministry, we've been talking about being in God's family and what that means. And one of the things uh, that we really spent a lot of time talking about is the expectations that go into being a part of God's family. Uh, because if I were going to add someone to my family, if I could just pick anyone to add to my family, I would have expectations for them. We all would. And I asked the students to name someone that they would add to their family if they could. And they named politicians, they named athletes, they named all sorts of different people and they named how they would be related. But then they also explained that they would have expectations for them, whether it was to make them laugh, to tell them funny stories, uh, to spend time with them, to teach them a certain skill, whatever it was, there were expectations that went along with being in a family. And, and I think God likewise puts expectations on us when he adds us to his family. But the difference between our expectations and the difference between God's expectations are the fact that our expectations benefit ourselves. Like if I'm going to, you know, add coal to my family, then the expectations I put on him are going to benefit me. But the expectations that God puts on the people he adds to his family are, uh, are to the new members benefit. So whenever God adds me to his family, he has expectations for me. Yes. But they are supposed to benefit me. And uh, that's 
like the beautiful thing about God and uh, Christianity is that he is designing the best possible life for us. And so while it seems like sometimes that there are just um, so many like rules or almost that we're supposed to follow, in reality it is it is God saying, look, if you if you listen to me, if you take my advice, you're going to have a great life. You're going to uh, do well. Now, obviously, trials, temptations, things like that are going to come. They can't be avoided. But uh, in the, in, at the end of the day, life is better when it's lived God's way. Amen. That was fantastic, dude. If that doesn't encourage you, um, you, get, you need to check your pulse. <laughs> and I would say this real quick, not to cheapen the moment or anything, but I would love to be added to your family, Chris. And I don't mean that in a creepy way. This is why I mean that. First off, Chris's mom can cook. Like, <laughs> y'all don't know that because you guys are just out there in the podcast world. She can cook. Best cornbread I've ever had in my life, hands down. Secondly, your dad's one of the coolest people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> like, I would pay him just to talk to me. Like, I would pay your dad just for, like, a 30-minute session of just, we're just going to talk. Like, he's that cool. So, I don't know just, if this is, if you guys are looking for... Just come to Tennessee, for, and he'll he'll talk your ear off, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it's amazing. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are looking for spots, if there's an application somewhere I can fill out. I don't know. But, uh, no, that's true. I mean, God's family, there's some expectations, and they're not there for anybody's selfish benefit. They're there so that we could be the best people we can be. I think that's the, one of the cool things about God. Like, he always has our best interest in mind, even when we can't see how that is. You know, because stuff happens to us, and it's like, there's no way this is in my best interest. Mm-hmm. But there's so much we don't know that God does know. You know, and I think that's Amen. kind of the struggle, just trusting him and being like, okay, I don't know how this is going to look, but but I'm here for it. I can honestly say in the topic of God's sovereignty and what we're in God being in control and what kind of what we're talking about here, the, the idea that my suffering is for a reason, it's for an ultimate purpose. My life, when I reflect on it, it shows that it reflects that truth in the sense that. I've went through great sufferings. You know, when I was 10 years old, my dad passed away. No child should ever experience that. That was horrible. But I can honestly tell you that I am a better person because of it. I can straight up say that, that God had a plan in that moment. But in the moment when it happens, you can't even fathom how this is part of God's plan. And so anybody, any. I don't care if you're an atheist. I don't care who you are. I believe that this is a universal truth that you can look back at your sufferings and say, okay, I, I've been built up because of that. And and if you can't say that of a, over a particular situation, it could be that later on you will be able to. Yeah, for sure. You're just not looking at it with eyes of faith. You know what I mean? Like if you're if you think life is strictly about pleasure – and something wasn't pleasurable, you think, oh, this has no purpose. Wait a second. You know, something could achieve something other than pleasure and be purposeful. That's a great point, Cole, and that's really powerful, you know, like with your dad and whatnot. And I think 
God teaches us this with his son at the cross. Because the atheist says, look, suffering has no purpose. And God mm-hmm. says, have you heard about Calvary? Man. Um, suffering can be the most purposeful thing in the world. That's so true. And it and, was. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. No, that's absolutely true. That's a great point, Cole. And, and I think, too, you know, I, I think about how, uh, like, the Christian is called to suffer with Christ. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't know the verse, maybe one of you know it, but I think it's in First Peter, but it actually talks about how, you know, we are, ex- like, we're we're expected to uh, suffer suffer with Christ and, and understand that, you know, life's not going to be perfect, but Jesus's life wasn't perfect either, you know, and and that that's part of being Christ-like is being faithful in those tough spots, um, you know, and bearing our cross daily and and just um, striving to be as Christ-like in, as possible in every situation. No, for sure. And one passage that always sticks out to me during this, and you're right, you know, about First Peter talking about some of that stuff, but... In Romans 8, verse 17, Paul's making the point about being heirs of uh, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And he says, that's what we are, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And it's just so interesting to me how the suffering and the glory are so intricately woven in Christianity and even with Jesus. There is no glory of the resurrection without the suffering of the cross. You know, there's no glory of salvation without the suffering of the cross. Mm. You cannot receive glory, Jesus teaches us, without suffering. Mm. I recall uh, Peter and the apostles when they went before the the high priests and they were beaten and they were told, don't speak anymore in his name. This is found in mm. Acts. And they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer yeah. for the name. Like they were beaten. They were they, they were they were beaten like I ain't gonna say almost to death, but I'm sure they came out with bloody noses, and they come out <laughs> and and they're rejoicing like what in the world, man? They understood this. Yeah, for sure, and it even goes like, and then right after that, they go meet up with the body of believers and they pray, not for the persecution to stop, but that they may be more bold. They pray for boldness. I was like, wait a second. You guys want to be more bold? Right. Like, if somebody looks at me wrong when I mention Jesus to them, I feel like I'm persecuted. You know what I mean? <laughs> me too, man. And All these right. dudes just got beat up, and you're like, God, help us be more bold. It's like, man, I got a long way to go. Yeah. Like, wow. Somebody, That's awesome. Somebody looks at me funny, and I go home moping, like, yeah. like feeling sorry for myself, and they're over here wanting more. Right, right. That's awesome. That's really awesome. It's because, but like the focus wasn't on them. Like the focus was on God. They understood the purpose that God had given them. And because of that, that's why they were able to pray that prayer. You know, they understood like, yeah, I might go through some persecution, but so did Jesus. And I'm going to be like him. Well, I need to be more bold than if I'm going to be like him because that guy went through it. And so, yeah, I might take some beatings, but it's about accomplishing my purpose to spread the gospel. And that's what we have to remember too, is that it's about our mission. It's about our purpose because God does exist. And so 
that is what we have uh, to focus on. And that's how we've got to uh, try to live is, is just like those apostles and pray to be more bold and, and more focused on God and less focused on us. I think about John the Baptist who said uh, he must increase and I must decrease. And we need that same attitude for sure. Um, this reminds me of Job. I believe both of you were in there in David Powell's class when we were talking about suffering. The Job was mentioned. And then uh, somebody made the comment of Job was God's number one draft pick. When you think about Job's life, he faced suffering. He faced horrible persecution by Satan. But God picked Job to face all that. He was Job was God's number one draft pick. So I think that's mm. kind of how the apostles took it. Like God chose me to 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 face this, to stand up for Him, to have this suffering, and and for that they could rejoice. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you could even say that it goes back to to Job's focus as well, uh, and the fact that Job was focused on God. And not on himself, you know. Job wasn't. I mean, obviously he was he was devastated, but yet he was still uh, he still understood who God was, and he still understood his purpose. And I think whenever we understand our purpose and remember that God has given us a purpose, it will motivate us to go forth and to uh, give that purpose uh, to others and let other people know that they have a purpose because God exists. Because we are surrounded by people who are purpose hungry, who don't understand the meaning of life. And thankfully, uh, by the grace of God and his word that he has given us, we know what that purpose is. We know uh, how it is that we are uh, to live and why it is we are to live. So uh, let's all strive to just be focused on God and fulfilling our purpose of serving him and helping others to see that purpose as well. I think that will wrap us up for the faith portion, but we hope you'll stick around and uh, listen as we talk about a little bit of football. Thanks, guys. All right, it is time to talk about football. Football on Faith, Football Friends. Forrest, why don't you go ahead and introduce our topic? Yeah, so one of the things we're going to talk about is the whole Miles Garrett situation. If you're unfamiliar out there in the listening world about the whole Miles Garrett situation, uh, pretty much Miles Garrett, who's a defensive uh, lineman for the Cleveland Browns in a game last season against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which they are rivals, by the way, which amplified the whole thing, you know, uh, took off Mason Rudolph's helmet, who's the backup quarterback for the Steelers, and then hit Mason Rudolph in the head with his own helmet, which is not only against multiple rules in the NFL, but is probably <laughs> illegal in any other setting. Like, if you just were to get a football helmet and bash somebody over the head with it, like on a street somewhere, you would probably go to jail. Assault with a deadly weapon. Yeah, no, it's pretty intense. Uh, so that happened, and then he was suspended indefinitely. So the rest of the season he was gone. But over the off season, which is now, he was able to uh, sit down with the NFL and talk to them 
about, hey, I should be able to come back and play. And they said, okay, you can come back and play. Part of the drama, the un- the ongoing drama, is that Miles Garrett said that, and I believe him in this. He says, you know, that's not who I am. I lost my cool, and it was a mistake. I'm never going to do it again. But he also said that he was prompted by a racial slur spoken by Mason Rudolph. And according to Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph said the N-word, which, if true, is absolutely horrible. There's no place for that um, anywhere, especially not on a football field. Um, but the problem is Mike Tomlin, the Steelers head coach, who is a black man, has come to Mason Rudolph's defense and said, I don't think Mason said that. I know him. I don't think he would say that. And beyond that, Mike Tomlin says that the Steelers and the NFL independently both investigated the on-field incident and they could find no witnesses to corroborate Miles Garrett's account that Mason Rudolph used the N-word. So really, I mean, it's just like almost like a he said, he said type situation. Um, (laughs) And, you know, as white, all of us being white, it's hard to say, like, I don't think we'll, like, there's no equivalent for the N-word. Like, there's no way, like, you could say something that would make us feel that way. Like, it doesn't justify him getting hit in the head with his own helmet. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those weird things. Like, I hope, it's it's weird for me because I simultaneously wish and don't wish that Miles Garrett's telling the truth. I hope he is telling the truth because that's a horrible thing to say about somebody if it's not true. But I also don't hope he's saying the truth because I don't want Mason Rudolph uh, to have said that. You know what I mean? It's like a weird thing. Yeah, no, I agree. My big thing, though, and you kind of uh, you kind of mentioned this. My big thing is, does him saying the N-word, calling him the N-word, whatever he did, does that justify him getting hit in the head with his own helmet? <laughs> like, no. I, that, And that's my problem. It's like oh, well, if he used the N-word, then it's okay. You can hit him with your helmet and re-enter the NFL. Like, we understand. Like, And that's where I kind of struggle. I don't think it. anybody's saying that necessarily. Like, as far as I know, I don't think anybody's saying that. And I don't think Miles Garrett's saying, because he called me the N-word, it was justified. Like, he still apologized for what he did, said it was wrong. But when he had to give a reason for why he did it, that's what he said. You know, yeah. so that doesn't mean it's necessarily valid, but that's why he did it. Like, if I punched Cole because, you know, he did something horrible, it doesn't necessarily justify it, but that's why I did it. But I will say, like, it's, like, again, it's not justified, but that is, I mean, like, if a ref hears you say that, I've heard, if a ref hears you say that on the field, it's like an automatic personal foul. And, like, you will be fined for it once they corroborate that that is what you said. Like, so it's something the NFL takes seriously. I don't know. And like I said, like there's no white person equivalent. It's hard to say. No, that's true. That's true. But if but if some little kid and Mason Rudolph to Miles Garrett is a little kid. If some little kid <laughs> yeah. was out there like talking about my mom or talking about my wife and just saying stuff that just really you know what I mean? Like I I don't think I would lose my cool like that, but I could see how things could escalate. Here's my thing. If you Google strongest man in the world, biggest man in the world, (laughs) he might be up there on the Google list. Like, this is a big dude. I don't have the stats. And then 
he is taking a guy's helmet off and trying to crack his skull with it all in, you know, because he got angry. It's like when a dog bites anybody or a child, what do you do with that dog? Well, well no longer can you trust it around humans. Are we going to be able to trust Miles Garrett when he's on the football field? I mean, <laughs> we're not talking about him punching somebody in the face. We're talking about him ripping somebody's helmet off and almost killing them with it. I think that might be a step extreme. And I think I was talking a little bit extreme in my scenario about saying that it was excused because the N-word was possibly used. I think, though it will come across that way. And to some degree, Mason Rudolph could end up becoming the bad guy in this, in this story. And like, now I understand now, if he said that he is in that situation, a bad guy, like he shouldn't have, shouldn't have said it, but I don't think it should overshadow what miles Garrett has done as well. You know what I mean? Cause like that was a big deal. And that wasn't his first. That wasn't his per- first personal foul of the game. Like he has lost his cool in several games, and like it was kind of an yeah. ongoing problem, you know. So. Well, and that whole game was chippy too, both sides. Oh, I'm sure. And after Miles Garrett did that, I don't know if you remember, um, Pouncey, the center for the Steelers, tackled him on the ground and started punching him in the head, even though he had <laughs> his other helmet guy, on. The he other guy started him. kicking him. Yeah, the, the other, other guy, guy started, started kicking him. him. Like yeah, he got so a, like, he got whipped. It was it deserved a, at that point. It started a brawl. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there was like, you ever like see something, and it makes you feel like you're about to throw up, just because it's yeah. so like vulgar yeah. almost or like intense. Yeah. That's how I felt when I saw this dude get hit with his own helmet. Um, and this doesn't make it any better, but he did hit him with the open end of the helmet. Like if he yeah. hit him with the dome of the helmet. Dude yeah. would have been unconscious. Like, there's no doubt about it. Mason Rudolph would have been unconscious. That wasn't thought out. Didn't it just nick him, though? Like, didn't it just barely hit him? What? No, it hit him pretty good, but it was the oh, open side. It? So only that sliver of helmet, yeah. like, struck him, you know? If it I, was the I, top. I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But Mason Rudolph was just lucky in that situation. Yeah. Because, like, Miles Garrett didn't say, oh, I'm going to hit you with the bottom part of the helmet. Like, that yeah, was not part moment. of the process. Like, he, he was wasn't just like, swinging the helmet. Yeah. You know, and like yeah, no, that's that's, that's the part that you know you got to remember because you're right. Like, but that's just luck, and yeah. and the way that he was holding the helmet helmet. But I don't I don't think that had anything to do with it as well. I've wondered if you if you want to defend Miles Garrett any, I wonder if the dude realized even the helmet was in his hand. Like <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like was he just swinging his hand and the helmet came with it? You know no, what I mean? No. I, I'm sure he knew it was in his hand, and I'm sure he, like, but I don't know that he really thought about what he was hitting him with. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's not like it was premeditated. Right. Like, this was like a heat of the moment thing. Absolutely. I think he blacked out, and this is, like, pure rage. I think this dude plays with his emotions on the football field, and he just goes berserk. Like, all right, I'll give you a scenario. When I was in, played high school football, I was the center. I wanted to play with my emotions so bad. I wanted to get mad and play mad. That's how I like to play. But every time I did that, I would snap the ball over the quarterback's head because I, I, I was out of it. I think he hit a, a, a moment of pure rage, pure emotions, and 
ripped the guy's helmet off before he knew what he was doing. It was in his hand, and he was <laughs> like a gladiator out there. And see, but it also begs the question, what provoked that kind of rage? I think he just plays with that. I know, but this is like, I don't know. It's just something crazy to me. Yeah, like, it is crazy. the trenches, bro. That's them linemen. But I, am, I, just, I just looked it up. Before this event, he has been fined $52,639 once for a personal foul and twice for late hits on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And if a late hit on the quarterback is so bad you're being fined for it, it's like egregious. Did you say 12 times? No, no, oh, okay. twice. No. Oh, okay. Fine twice for late <laughs> This dude goes after quarterbacks, man. <laughs> well, and that was kind of the thing. Like, it, was, it wasn't ruled a late hit, but it was approaching a late hit whenever he tackled uh, Rudolph. And Rudolph did get mad in the middle of the Oh, night. and he absolutely provoked him. Whether he said the oh, word or yeah. not, he absolutely provoked him. Like, yeah. that is seen in the video evidence. Like he's trying to, t- he looks like he's trying to take off Miles Garrett's helmet, which is yeah. dumb. It's like, like no, you shouldn't try to fight him. Like stop. <laughs> like, I don't know. Now, granted, I still don't say anything justifies Miles Garrett's actions, and I know we're not necessarily looking for anything to justify them, but I think it's just important to remember that. I don't know. Yeah, no, definitely. And but if if this accusation of Mason Rudolph using the N word is false which if we trust mike tomlin the steelers coach it is like that's a serious thing man like it's 2020 man like papa john papa john john the founder of papa john's no longer works for papa john's because he used the n-word like this is how serious this is right right. imagine if ronald mcdonald was a real person and mcdonald's fired him like, this is how big Papa John not working for Papa John's is. And it's, like, the N-word's, a, like, a big deal, man. Like, you like you get fired for this kind of stuff. Right. So, no, I, I agree. You're right. So, I don't I, I don't know, man. Like, the accusation in and of itself, you know, if it's false, like, that's, that's messed up. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. And I don't know this, but it almost reminds me of like a somebody who's scared, scared about themselves, and they're just they're making a comment to defend themselves. And I guess that's why I'm a skeptic, is because yeah. it is the greatest excuse that could have been given. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now who knows? He may not have needed this excuse to get back into the NFL. But if he right. did, and that's what led him to being reinstated in the NFL, that's where like I'm like, ah, I struggle with that. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. And yeah. it also could be when when he was tackling Rudolph, it's not like there was a bunch of people around where he could hear, where they could hear the N word. You know what I'm saying? Like, so how does the coach even know? Of course, he's gonna say he didn't say that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, that's he, true. I don't know. I feel like because he would be able to relate to this issue better than any of us, I feel like. Right. And that's what makes it makes me want to say, eh, I don't know that he would, you know? 
Yeah, just with the whole race situation, like, if the Steelers coach was white and he said, no, Mason Rudolph did not say the N-word, I stand by him 100%. That's different in this situation than Mike Tomlin being a very successful black coach, the most successful black coach the NFL's ever seen. Really, other than Tony Dungy, maybe you could argue, saying, no, he didn't say that, and I stand by him 100%. Like, you know, that definitely adds a further development. But he says they investigated. You know, there are offensive linemen right there. Maybe they can hear. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's going to develop more. But here's something I've considered. The the headset microphone that the quarterbacks have where they hear the play call, does that go both ways? Can the quarterback talk to the coach as well? Because then maybe you would know. The coach would know if he said it. The players were mic'd up, from what I understand. Um, I was I heard about this on the radio, 104.5 The Zone. But I'm Shut not up. sure exactly. Endorsement. Um, I'm not sure if... if or, okay, they weren't sure if the mics were on or not. No one's sure whether or not the mics are on. Some people think that the mics were on and that the NFL is just not revealing whether or not it was actually recorded, you know what I mean? Like, or whether or not it was actually said, but there is speculation as to whether or not the mics captured it because supposedly they were mic'd up. I, I don't know. I'm, I don't work for the NFL. I don't work for the teams. I don't know if they had mics on that night or not. Uh, and I haven't researched that other than what they were saying on the radio. And they said that they were mic'd up, but that supposedly the mics weren't on at that point. Why? Okay. So I like I okay yeah they were mic'd up why wouldn't the mics be on that doesn't make any sense at all they cut them off at a certain point like right before the play like there are certain points within the game that they cut them off like right as the play okay. starts or right before the play starts yeah uh, like because they have to give them an opportunity to like call their plays maybe or to mm, call an audible sense. or you know what I mean like there's got to be some sense. secretiveness to what's going on. And the, uh, but there's also like shotgun mics. There's mics from above. Like there, you gotta, there's gotta right. be a way to hear. Because, because we can hear Peyton Manning saying Omaha, right? Omaha, <laughs> right. So, unless he whispered it in his ear, but while you're getting tackled, you're not whispering that. <laughs> hey, I have something to tell you. <laughs> uh, and Forrest was fired. <laughs> No, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. And who knows? Maybe I don't know. Like, I could see where he, he could have misheard too. You know, uh, what was said possibly. I know that's kind of a stretch, but I feel like it's within the realm of possibility. You know, I don't feel like that there's, can't be. There's too much of a shadow of a doubt to really Absolute. say either way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a good time to apologize for my voice. Um, I've been feeling a little under the weather. And we actually postponed recording in part because I thought my voice would be better today. And the ironic part is it's actually a little bit worse. So uh, I'm sorry. I thought you hit a button on your microphone <laughs> because your voice changed. But I guess it's Some just... kind of filter or something? Yeah. <laughs> An effect. Oh, man. Speaking of things we cannot know. Oh. Tom Brady, next season. 
the word on the street is Nashville, a.k.a. Little New York, <laughs> a.k.a. Music City, a.k.a. All right, all right. 615. A.k.a. the 615. You should have let him see if he could have come up with anything. A.k.a. <laughs> Smashville. Oh, okay. Keep going, keep going. A.k.a. the birthplace of country music. A.K.A. the last place you want to be without being ready. And by being ready, I mean having a helmet on while you ride <laughs> on an electric scooter. I knew that had something to do with scooter. I don't even know. Dude, For some context, scooter. Chris Elrod almost oh, lost man. his life whilst riding I'm one, not of convinced. The, one of the Go notorious ahead. free electric scooters that are just dumped throughout the city of nashville i'm still not convinced that i won't die because of that wreck he's still feeling effects the migraines it was devastating. devastating which i don't think logan listens to this podcast but if you listen logan 100 percent, we're blaming you it's your fault it happened and it's my fault that chris has a scar on his chin <laughs> yeah but it's Logan's fault that I have the scar above my lip That's that right. uh, happened Two on that scars. scooter accident within like six months or within a uh, definitely no longer than six months, but within a year of each other. I never had stitches before until my senior year of college playing basketball with these two 21. guys I uh, do this podcast with. So, yeah, there you go. All those nicknames for Nashville. What I was trying to get to is <laughs> <laughs> there's a report, Cole, and you can take it away after this. There's a report that the Tennessee Titans may be the number one landing spot for the GOAT, a.k.a. Tom Brady. First, are you buying it or are you selling it? Secondly, do you want it? I'm buying it. Um, I don't know that I want it. Is that is that blasphemy? Am no, I allowed to say no. that? I'm not sure I actually want it. If it happens, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon and act like I can't wait. But before <laughs> it happens, I'm just telling you right now, I'm not sure. I, I'm, re- I'm really not sure. Um, what, was it last week that we discussed how I had actually heard it said at CrossFit? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So now we're seeing even more reports, and it was Adam Schefter. Yeah who yeah. I believe was reporting somebody else as far as yeah. researched it, who said that Tom Brady was uh, the, the running uh, number one spot was Nashville, Tennessee, which makes sense because of Mike Vrabel, as we've discussed. Moral of the story, though, every CrossFit rumor has a nugget of truth in it. <laughs> That's what we need to take away from this. If you hear a rumor at CrossFit, chances are five days later, it'll be confirmed in the news. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. My mom had heard something on CoachT.com, which I don't even know why my mom was on CoachT.com or how she heard about that, but (laughs) she had heard about that too. So evidently moms can know something about football too. Um, Chris, are you buying or selling it? Do you want it? I'm buying it mainly because of the CrossFit rumor, my mom's rumor. the uh just because like it was it was heard too many places like it was going on too around too many places for it not to be true i feel like you know like yeah, i feel like there yeah. has to be some uh, verifiable truth there 
and then also like the report that was just recently put out, I haven't read it yet, but it just it does seem likely as well because of the connection with Mike Vrabel and uh, I mean, how cool would it be to have a head coach who you have thrown a touchdown pass to before in a Super Bowl? You know, like that that's kind of cool. That's special. Uh, yeah, that's and a like special the, moment. The Patriots and the Titans did training camp together uh, last year or. Uh, a week of practice leading up to a preseason game where they played each other. And like people said that Tom Brady and Mike Rabel were like cutting up the entire time, like inside jokes and stuff like that. So I don't know. I could see it happening. Uh, but interesting. They did a poll on, uh, with the one Oh four five, the zone. Um, shout out. Yeah. I get $5 every time I mention their name. Uh, that's a joke. But they did like a poll on Twitter or something like that, that where they asked, would Titans fans rather have Ryan Tannehill or Tom Brady? And they picked uh, Ryan Tannehill like like 70% to 30%. Like it was wow. a ridiculous like margin, um, huge, huge margin. People would rather have Ryan Tannehill, uh, which – I think a lot of that has to do with like the quarterback loyalty that the Tennessee Titans fans have, because uh, you know, like we were, we were pretty loyal to uh, Mariota for a while, and there's still some people like they'll call in to 104.5 The Zone, and they will mention, <laughs> they'll mention uh, that like, uh, oh no, next year Marty Marcus Mariota is going to be our starting quarterback, and it's like, dude, shut up, you're an idiot, and uh, that's pretty much what the people on the radio say, but. Uh, they, you know, so like they're still connected to him. And so then of course they're going to be connected to Ryan Tannehill. I mean, for goodness sakes, he got us to the AFC championship for the first time in like 20 years. So that's a big deal. So I think, um, I think it'll just kind of depend. Um, I don't know. I, I can't decide. I'm like Cole, like, can we do what the Denver Broncos did and go and win a Super Bowl or go to two Super Bowls in three years? You know, like they all did with uh, Peyton Manning. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, I think so. We got to the AFC Championship game. If, but really, what's more important to me is that we get Derrick Henry back. Like, I, if I had to choose one of the three, I choose Derrick Henry every time. I will say this. I am not looking forward to next year if we do not re-sign Derrick Henry. But if we get Tom Brady and Derrick Henry has to go, all of a sudden now I'm like, hey, dare I say we don't need him? Like that's how I would look at it going going forward. Yeah. No, I get that too. And I think I, – I almost feel like Tom Brady and Derrick Henry, like their styles wouldn't really complement each other to some degree. You know, because – Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry needs the offense to revolve around him. Mm-hmm. And Tom Brady does well with the offense revolving around him and a few other key players, you know. So, I don't know. I think I think that if we don't keep Derrick Henry, if we don't re-sign him, I'll be okay with it only because I trust John Robinson and I think he'll be able to go out and get someone else to replace that that role and I think it's easier to replace a running back than it is a quarterback potentially so like I, if we can get Ryan Tannehill back 
at the cost of letting Derrick Henry go, or if we can get Tom Brady at the cost of letting Derrick Henry go, I get it. But I would still prefer to have Derrick Henry, if that makes sense. Derrick Henry was asked on a podcast, I don't know if you guys saw this, about the whole Tom Brady situation. And Derrick Henry's response was, what's wrong with Ryan Tannehill? Like, that was his response. So, and I think, and then he had to backpedal later and was like, listen, I'm not saying Tom Brady's not the GOAT. He is, but Tannehill did a great job, yada, yada, yada. And if that is reflective of the sentiment overall between him and the Titans fans, I'm sure a lot of the other players feel that way. I feel like what we're forgetting about is Tom Brady is not on the peak of his career. He's 40, what, either 41 or 42, coming off right. a pretty disappointing season. <laughs> right. Like, um, and there is some parallel to the Peyton Manning thing, but think about Peyton Manning. He just got off of neck surgery. And the Colts had just drafted Andrew Luck, which is the best college quarterback prospect we've seen in 20 years. Like, it's not like he was fading out. Like, if it wasn't for the neck surgery and Luck being at the top of the board when they could get him, he would still be in Indianapolis. Like, there's some parallels, but there's also, we had Peyton Manning a couple years younger than you guys would be getting Tom Brady. No, that's true. You know, so it's just, for me... I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. I just, I struggle to see him not. There's Hello? no way. There's... <laughs> Stop. <laughs> what? You like, you like cut no, out. But... It was just like all of a sudden. Oh, I There's said. There's no way. <laughs> so, I struggle with. So finish that segment. I struggle with. And then you'll be right on track. I struggle with seeing Tom Brady with anybody but the Patriots. Right. Yeah. I think all of us do. And I just read something not too long ago that Conklin is probably gone. Yeah. I saw where the Browns were going to give him like $13 million to mm-hmm. go play for them. Whoa. Yeah. So Con- you think Conklin's gone. Let's say they let Tannehill go. I think there's a way you guys could get Henry and Brady. You franchise tag Henry, then you go out and you get Brady on a two-year deal. And you say, we're trying to win now. I'm cool Weirder with things have happened. Weirder things have happened. Listen, if we do that, I want us to take in the first round with the 25th, 28th, whatever pick it is, a quarterback. Legit. Right. We have to. Let let Brady groom him for two years. and then. Or maybe... Maybe even in a second round. I'd be okay with that. But just take the best available quarterback at the best appropriate time. Uh, and I think we'll do that either way. Because he, I think even Ryan Tannehill is viewed as a gap quarterback. You know, I don't think we're looking at playing with him for the next five years. I think we're we're looking at, like, the next three. Maybe the next five at max, you know. Um, but I love the attitude that Derrick Henry expressed, you know. Yeah, respect, respect Tom Brady because he is the GOAT. But, like, Ryan Tannehill did great. Like, why not Why not bring him back? You know, like, why not uh, let him just see if he can do it again? Um, and I know that's a little bit of a gamble, and that makes me a little bit nervous, but it makes me a little bit nervous drafting an old guy to come and uh, 
play quarterback too. I mean, um, 42 is not the uh, ideal age of any NFL position. Um, but, uh, and like, I guess quarterback or kicker or maybe punter are about the only positions you could play at that age. Um, but it just, it's risky, you know, it makes me nervous. Um, so I don't, I, I just, I don't know. I think, um, I, I think that I could, I could definitely see Conklin leaving. Um, I kind of hate it because he has played fairly well and there's a good, um, dynamic group among our uh, offensive line you know they work well as a team especially once they built chemistry and Lawan got back but you know i i think we can replace our right guard easier than we can replace our quarterback or Derek henry so i'm okay with seeing him gone the other people i expect to leave would be delaney walker i'm sure he'll probably retire um and if he doesn't retire I'm going to be disappointed because he'll go and try to play somewhere else and probably not have a great season. And then Deion Lewis probably won't be back. Um, you know, so there's definitely some people we're going to let go. Um, but I'm excited to see the players that we do keep and how all that works out. I think it'll be interesting nonetheless. Well, thank you for listening to the football portion of Faith Football Friends. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed it and that you'll stick around to listen to the Friends portion. Thanks. All right, it is time for the Friends portion of Faith Football Friends. We're glad that you stuck around this long to uh, listen or that you um, skipped the football section to get to this part. Um, or whatever you did, because uh, we know that some people do that uh, who aren't into football, and that's okay. That's why we do the podcast the way we do it. Um, hey, Colt, do you mind reading my T-shirt for me? Enjoy Coca-Cola. That's right. You know why? Because Coca-Cola is the best. If you follow our Facebook page, uh, you probably saw the poll that we put out uh, where we allowed you all to vote for Pepsi or for Coke, whichever one you thought was the best. And Coca-Cola is winning 75% to 25%. Now, Cole has put out a plea for um, his um, silent majority, uh, I think is what he called them, which is not true. It's probably more like the silent uh, minority. But anyway... (laughs) um, no one has uh, supported him. So if you are a Pepsi lover, the poll's not over. Uh, we've only we've had 219 votes, which is awesome. So thank you for voting on that. Um, but we uh, we we want more, and it's going to continue for a few more days, I believe. So uh, feel free to get on and uh, vote for that. Um, I've been thinking though about the dominance of Coke recently, and something that I want to point out is that. Coke is a dominant brand. For example, how many people do you know wear a Pepsi t-shirt? Um, okay, this is my second Coca-Cola shirt. But you're just weird. Like, nobody else, you're the only person I've seen wearing a Coca-Cola shirt. No, that's not shirt. true. That's not true, brother. That's not true. 
I have an uh, an elder at uh, Walter Hill. He has a Coca Cola room where it is decorated with Coca Cola products, like that is fandom. So now I understand. Now I understand. You've been brainwashed. I'm not been brainwashed. I've not been brainwashed. Look, I I enjoy Pepsi when it's the only option. But when Coke is an option, I enjoy it more. Look, listen, I had a friend who texted me who listens to our, our podcast, my oldest friend. And he's, he led with, hey, I enjoyed the podcast. Coke is better. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, yes, amen. It's not brainwashed. It's common sense. It's common taste buds. I will, if I can add... Something. And I know I'm not really in this debate because I really don't feel strongly either way. <laughs> I know I know Chris will drink Pepsi in a bind. When the guys were down for my wedding in Florida, in Polk County, Florida, where don't it, drink you know, the water. Yeah. Don't Chris water. literally could not even stomach our tap water. That's how bad our tap water tastes, apparently. He couldn't even stomach it. And we went out to eat at Andy's Igloo, Winter Haven, Florida, local institution. If you come to Winter Haven, you got to go there. Even if you're in Tampa or Orlando, you should make the drive. But anyway, he orders water, forgetting that it tastes like a radioactive sludge. Takes one sip, stops a waitress as she's walking by and says, can I get a Coke instead? And she said, Pepsi? And he said, sure. He wasn't really (laughs) happy about it, but... When it comes between lake water or Pepsi, he chooses Pepsi. And that's so, what it tasted like, lake water. It's literally treated from a lake. So, you know, I don't know what to tell you. But I want to read, I want to, I, I do want to mention something somebody brought up in the poll when we shared it. A friend of mine named Amar, he's actually from Iraq. That's cool. And he said, Pepsi all the way. And he said that in the Middle East, Pepsi is like what Coke is here. Like huh. everybody loves it, everybody talks about it, you see advertisements for it everywhere. Like so some of this might be a regional thing. You know, you gotta think Coke is bottled and from right there in Atlanta. Hmm. Like the South is all about Coke. Some places they just call all soda Coke. You know what I mean? Right here so, in Rockville, folks, right here in Rockville. Rockville, Tennessee. Can't find it on a map, but it's there. And so there's this idea, you know, some of this might be a cultural thing. It might be, it might be. <laughs> Nobody just, knows where Winter Haven is either. <laughs> Don't roast Rockville like that. Uh, ever heard of Legoland, Florida? Worldwide amusement park and attraction? Is that is it not? Does it not have an Orlando address? No, it's in Winter Haven, bro. But nobody knows that. They just type into their GPS Legoland. People know. People know. That's not true. Um. You can't compare Rockville to Winter Haven. Winter Haven has a thousand times the population of Rockville. How many people live in Rockville? Four <laughs> hundred. Don't don't try me like seriously. Hold on, I'll look up the population. I don't know that number. <laughs> I'm also about to text a friend and say, "Hey, I know y'all just recently went to Legoland. Can you tell me uh, what city it is in without looking it up?" So. Give me a minute. Y'all are going to need to talk, though, while I do that, because it's going to take Okay, so Rockville, Tennessee, I looked it up. According to Wikipedia, the population 
of Rockville, Tennessee. Wow, it's so small they hide it. I got to scroll through all this stuff. What? Did you not use so Google? Because Google answered it for me, man. I what just does had it the say? Right there. 822. 822. Oh 822. What? 822. That's right. That's the way we like it. Dude, I'm from a small town, and my high school had 800, Chris. Hold up. Winter Haven has 41,280. We have a Chipotle. We have a Starbucks. We have an Outback. We have a Red Lobster. We have hotels. Okay, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. But all my point is, is that nobody knew where Winter Haven is, just like no one knew where Rockville was. Like, I'm, I'm just saying from from our audience point of view, maybe people probably did not know. I'm just saying statistically, pure numbers, pure numbers. I understand they what you're saying. I understand that chance. the cities aren't comparable. I wasn't trying to make them. I'm just saying they have more of a chance. I understand what you're saying, but Chipotle does not put your city on the map. I'm sorry. We have a post office, but that doesn't put us on the map either. You know what I mean? Like. 800 goes into 41,051 times. Hey, Winter Haven is 51 rock I'm really bands. glad, I'm, I'm really glad you kind of used that uh, calculator, bro. Good job. Thank All you. right. So, anyway. So, Rockville, we the capital about? of the universe. What were you telling us about Rockville again? Oh, we refer to also <laughs> not the capital of the universe, bro. Maybe the capital of rocks, but not the universe. We call all sodas Coke. You and your 799 cousins. <laughs> Quit trying me like this, bro. I ain't related to uh, but about 100 of them. All right, anyway. Um, no, I did have a friend in uh, high school who like told me I was cousins with everyone. Um, I think he listens to this. He's probably agreeing. But... Um, yeah, okay, but I've explained this to you before. Um, it's Because people <laughs> always ask, they say, okay, so how do you, if you call all Coke soda, like how do you order a Dr. Pepper at a restaurant? Which is a dumb question because you just say, hey, I want a Dr. Pepper. Right. But right. if your mom, but like if you're hosting a devotional or a party at your house and your mom says, hey, go to the store and get some Cokes, you know she means to get a variety of sodas. Okay. So it's all about context. Okay, follow-up question. Is the S important? If she said go get some yes. Coke, would it just yeah. be Coca-Cola? Yeah. But if she sure. says go get some Cokes, then yeah. it's a variety? I think so. Yeah, probably. But, but I've if... never hosted a party where she wanted us to just have Coke to offer to drink. So like, that's I... where I'm like struggling. So it's like, not that great. In a different situation... I know you're on my team, bro. I know, <laughs> I know how you vote on this. So you're just trying me, and I don't if, appreciate it. If my wife says, get me a Coke, that doesn't mean Coca-Cola. Because me and my family, as for me and my family, we serve <laughs> Pepsi. <laughs> okay, oh, some other good. Bro, he just put, uh, he just put Pepsi up on an idol stand. No, not oh, serve God. as in worship, but serve as in give to drink, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, Somebody else you know said, who you were quoting. <laughs> our buddy, our buddy Sam Glover, he's been on the podcast. The podcast. He's been on the podcast when the podcast was called something differently. He says, "Pepsi tastes like someone attempted to bottle sadness and sell it as a joke." 
Coke is not only what people drink when they decide to wear their big boy slash girl pants. It tastes like sheer happiness. Cole replied, Coke is the equivalent of going to a nuclear power plant and pouring acid down your throat. Which, I didn't know acid and nuclear power had anything to do with each other. But that's the point, anyway. The nuclear sludge. You, you said that about five minutes ago, and I was like, yeah. oh, man, and it, it immediately, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Sam said, Sam's response, Cole, that would still be better than drinking Pepsi. Every time I drink Pepsi, I think, ah, so this is what the inside of a toilet tastes like. Good to know. <laughs> that's harsh. <laughs> and see, okay, like, I don't, I don't actually hate Pepsi, like, I... I'm fine drinking a Pepsi and I don't, I, and what I really like more than Pepsi is the brand of Coke. Like the taste of Coke over Pepsi isn't that important to me, but the brand of Coke is really what's more important. Like I'm kind of, you know, agging it on for the fun of the podcast, but I, I like the brand Coca-Cola as a your whole. loyalty, your brand loyalty. Wow. Yeah. But it's, it's the, I just like, the, their advertisements, like looking at some of like their slogans throughout uh, the whole polar history, bear thing. like the, the polar, polar bear, bear thing. thing. Yeah, that's cool. The Santa Claus Santa. thing, that's cool. But like they also like I'm just um like I love share a Coke. I think that's genius. Oh yeah. Like I might so, even. You like Coca Cola for political reasons, not what they're actually uh, um doing. You could say. As for me and my Pepsi followers, we actually think it tastes better. We're not we're not as interested on, in whitewashed tombs, if you will. I will say one thing against Pepsi. Anytime Coke comes out with something, two Cole's months later, too hard. I'm sorry. <laughs> for sure. For anytime sure. Coke comes out with something, two months later, Pepsi comes out with the same thing. So you had Coke, Coke Zero changed to Coke Zero Sugar, and then Pepsi changed to Pepsi Zero Sugar. Okay, Coke came out with an energy drink. The next week, Pepsi came out with an energy drink. It's like your little brother that just tries right. to like you, but can't exactly get it quite right, but he just does whatever you do. Living in the shadow, the Coca-Cola shadow. Pepsi is the uh, is the little brother. Like, it is the competitor. You know what I mean? Like, it is the... It is, like, chasing Coca-Cola. You know, it's kind of like... Um, Drew Brees chasing Tom Brady to some degree, you know what I mean? Or or Joe Flacco chasing Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and all those like next year uh, quarterbacks and like those almost next year quarterbacks, you know what I mean? And now I know Drew Brees is a great quarterback and he's thrown for the most yards and all this that Cole's about to bring up, but um, the the point is is like like they're not in the conversation about being the goat near as much as. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, that kind of thing is. Coke is the goat of drinks. You know, it's a good thing I'm not Forrest. Um, Forrest doesn't do any chasing. If you offend but, Forrest... But wait, you introduced yourself as Forrest at the beginning of the if, show. If you offend Forrest, he, he's just going to slam you into a wall. Okay? Uh, last time I was with these two, uh, not long ago when I was with these two, we were playing basketball, and Chris got a little rough. And Forrest just shoved him right into a wall. That's true, except 
I didn't <laughs> shove him. I just did something that's called stop running. <laughs> and, and, and I didn't hit a wall either. What was it? Was it the bleachers? It was the bleachers. Bleachers, even worse. And it wasn't that I didn't stop running at Forest. It was that I, I like, reached out for the ball <laughs> and just fell. Like, my momentum reaching for the ball just killed me. Okay. While you guys have been talking about this, I did a little bit of research. This okay. is what I was thinking. We can debate about Pepsi versus Coke all day long. But we should let the people of the world decide, okay? And you guys know me. I'm a capitalist at heart. I think that if you really feel strongly about something, what should you do? Throw some money at it, right? Makes sense. So you're going to let the stocks decide? 2019, Pepsi outperforms Coke on Wall Street, but it's more than that. Let's look at revenues. For 2019, Pepsi Co., raked in $64.9 billion, billion with a B. Coca-Cola raked in $32.2 billion, which means Pepsi-Cola makes twice as much money as Coca-Cola company. That is interesting. I mean, that's not only interesting. That's like mic drop material, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) I don't agree with that because... In the majority of our listeners and the people we interact with, they agree that Coke is better. Like, that still can't be defeated. 75% to 25%, Cole. If, listen, if you're talking about. Our listeners your shirt, are the people that matter. If you're talking about what's on your shirt compared to this bottle. Then okay, most people are gonna agree, but nobody's gonna say Mellow Yellow is better than Mountain Dew or all the other great products that Pepsi has. That's true. Yeah, and that's really what it comes down to. And Gatorade too is huge. Yeah, Gatorade is huge, and their deal with Taco Bell, like I'm sure that helps them quite a bit. Oh, absolutely. You know that is that is huge. Absolutely. Baja uh, Blast. Hold on, have you ever had a Baja Blast? No. You really have. I'm not a big fan of Mountain Dew. Yes. Baja Blast is a Mountain Dew. It's something else. It's a nectar <laughs> from an alien plant that makes you happy. I I don't do alien drinks either. Did you know it's like I heard this. I haven't researched it, but I heard Baja Blast was chemically designed to taste better while you eat Taco Bell. Anytime Cole says, <laughs> I haven't researched this, but I heard <laughs> you know it's about to be the most ridiculous thing you ever <laughs> what i heard man let's look it up you're gonna find you're gonna find some homeschool mom with a blog that says <laughs> that they did that like, that's homeschool not, mom that's hold not, up you just offended so many people with that one state <laughs> that's not proof that's all i'm saying like homeschool moms if you're out there and you're listening to this which i doubt you are good for you kudos but your blog doesn't count as proof for anything you better go to google scholar and be searching Oh, here we go. Here we go. Google Scholar is where you had you to look. Just go- if you just Google option. Baja Bless made for Taco Bell, it says this. History, period. Don't know what that's about. This is on Wikipedia. 
<laughs> Baja Blast was released released exclusively to Taco Bell restaurants in the United States in 2004, having been chemically formulated to taste best with their food. Hashtag mic drop. Wow. Okay. So why what, is that a hashtag mic drop? What blog is that from, though? That's it's my Wikipedia. question. Bro, it's it's MountainDew.fandom.com wiki Baja Blast. Okay, so this is a fan forum for Mountain Dew. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's what that is. No, look, when I Googled this, I, I, Baja Blast made for Taco Bell. That's all I put in. You do it too. Okay. And the you got first thing that fan pops forum up for Mountain Dew. The po- first thing that pops up is this. Fake news. Just because it's the first thing that pops up doesn't yeah, mean I know, I know, it's I know. viable. Just means it's the most popular. It's like okay. it's like asking someone who's wearing a Coca-Cola shirt which is better, Pepsi or Coke. Well, duh, they're gonna say Coke. You know what I mean? Like maybe I mean maybe it is. Ends. What chemicals are involved though with like? Right, that's a little frightening. That's oh, why all these see. Maybe I've never had one, and I don't like Taco listen, Bell. Listen, this is all I'm saying. I, two sources so far, I heard from a friend, very trusted friend. Who said it was true? I believed him. Y'all challenged <laughs> that? Y'all challenged that? Absolutely. I Googled I, I it, and immediately it pops I up. That's all I'm saying. Friend, That's I all challenge I'm saying. your research skills. I challenge it all. Oh, okay. So this is deeper than just Mountain Dew, huh? Maybe we should make a new poll. <laughs> was Mountain Dew Baja Blast chemically formulated to taste better while eating Taco Bell? No. Hey, this is what I want the new poll to be. Is Mountain Dew back? Mountain what is let's Mountain put Dew? Mountain Dew against any Coca-Cola product. I want that <laughs> poll. I want that poll. If you like, what is it, Dr. Pepper? Okay, you vote for the Coca-Cola bread, and then we who like Mountain Dew more are gonna vote for Mountain Dew, and Mountain Dew will win. So the poll is Mountain Dew versus literally any other soda. Any any other Coca-Cola product. Okay, I'll take that you, poll. You All right. I'll take that poll. That'll be interesting. There's no way Mountain Dew wins that. There's no way. Let's see, dude. People love their Mountain Dew. I love Mountain Dew. People are passionate about their Mountain Dew, man. Yeah, there's too many options. I agree with Forrest. We pretty much are going to win that no matter what. But I mean we as in me and my Coca-Cola peeps, just oh. to clarify. Not me and Forrest. I don't know where Forrest stands on the opinion. <laughs> I'm just... I'm completely neutral on almost okay, four sits on the opinion. Forest or neutral? What do you pick? Any Coca-Cola product or Mountain Dew? Those so who wait. know me know. Hold on though. Hold on though. Is it Mountain Dew versus any other soda or any other Coca-Cola product? Coca-Cola product, including Dr. Pepper, even though it's including not Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Dr. Pepper is not Coca-Cola. It's not. No. Oh, oh my bad. Is it right, which is why I was classifying that. It's, no, its its own thing. It's its own oh, thing. okay. Well, whatever. I don't even know what Coca-Cola has. Mellow Yellow, whatever. Okay, Mountain yeah. Dew versus any other Coca-Cola product. Everybody knows that my soda of choice is Coke Zero. Why? I don't know. I love it. I just, I can't the drink. Best diet drink. It is. It really is. I can't drink Coca-Cola Classic without feeling guilty. I can't drink Diet Coke without feeling gross. Coke Zero, perfect medium ground. Yeah. But there is a context in which only Mountain Dew will suffice. When you're at the beach, the hot beach of Florida, 
choose your beach. Any beach will do. And you're getting beat by that notorious Florida sun. And you're out there in that salt water. And you can still kind of taste the residual oil from the BP oil spill. And you're thinking, (laughs) you know what? This is the thirstiest I've ever been in my life. And your lips start to shrivel up. Because you're just so thirsty and sweaty and hot. That's the salt water in the ocean. That's why your lips are... and you go and you go through this salt pool that God designed to be three fourths of the world. You walk through it back to your little towel out on the sand, and you're covered in salt water and sunburn and sand granules. And you say, "I just need a drink." And you stick your hand in the cooler you brought, and you reach into the ice. You pass the water. You pass the Coke. You grab a nice cold Mountain Dew, and you Amen, pop brother. that baby open. And you just chug it. And not only do you feel like a human again, you feel better than you felt before you entered the wall. That was beautiful. That's the power. Wow. That was beautiful, Porce. But I'll probably vote for Coke Zero in the poll. Um, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the mic drop movement, folks. Um, wow, that was climactic. Um... <laughs> wow it reminded me of the time we all went to the beach together and cole got roasted that was fun Burn. cole's sunburn was so bad he almost died we almost had to call an ambulance when i was like mad at y'all <laughs> at night yeah. i wasn't mad at y'all but i was like i was burning up man <laughs> i couldn't sleep he had no shirt on fan right on him aloe vera spread all about his torso just praying to God for some relief. <laughs> just singed, absolutely burnt to a crisp. This guy thought he didn't even need sunblock. Yeah. He was what were you mistaken. thinking? Boy, was I wrong. Yeah. So the moral of the story is... I you forgot go to the how... Beach, go ahead. Wear sunscreen. That is the moral of the story. I forgot how bad it was, though, until... Like, you reminded me one day, Forrest, in, like, our group message. I was like, dang, that was terrible. If somebody could sleep. Such a, yeah. yeah. I kept waking up and, like, panting because I was sweating. And I, I can't sleep when I'm hot. And I would wake up with sweat. And I'd just take my melatonin. So I'm hot. Can't sleep in the heat. But then the melatonin's making me want to fall asleep. And then Chris and Forrest are playing Madden. <laughs> so it was all these components. The fan was blowing on me, but I, it was no relief. Just all these components. And I'm I'm over here thinking the whole time, does Forrest's dad not believe in air conditioning? <laughs> and it was probably like 65 in that house, but it didn't matter. Oh, man. That was intense. That was intense. That was the same trip where I hated uh, the water. Um, but what I remembered when you were telling that story is that whenever your wife came to Tennessee, which is where Rockville is located, mind you, um, that she talked about how good the water tastes here. Yeah. And so y'all just have a poor filta- filter system. Well, we'll say that was, in, that was in Davis County, right? Uh, did she drink it in Mount Juliet? Yeah. That was Wilson County. Wilson County. You know, each county has their own water treatment plan. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not Yeah. Ask. No, that's how that works. That's where your taxes go, bro. Water treatment. And potholes. They make potholes in the road with tax money. Anyway. Um, no, that's true, though. Tennessee's water, objectively, except for in Chester County, is better 
than than in Florida for sure. My we went to Mount Juliet for a wedding. We drank some tap water. My wife said, "Do they put sugar and butter in the water here?" She wasn't joking. She wasn't trying to be funny. She thought it tasted like a dessert. It was that good. And I was like, "No, babe. You're just used to trash water." <laughs> When you used to trash water, you taste some some decent water and it blows your mind. Uh, and the great part about it is, my family we buy bottled water so that we don't have to drink tap water. But yeah. yet, in comparison, our tap water is like sugar butter water, which that sounds disgusting. But she loves cake. Um, That's what it is. Uh, okay, cake water. Yeah. There you go. That sounds more appealing. Um, but yeah, that's wild. Okay, so. Um. There you have it. Coke is better than Pepsi, Mountain Dew, whatever you want to compare it to. Uh, Coca-Cola is better, and uh, Cole's not paying any attention, so he doesn't have any opportunity to object, but that's okay. Thank you for listening to Faith Football Friends. We hope that you've enjoyed it. We hope that you've laughed with us. We hope that you have uh, created some new opinions or um, maybe become uh, strengthened in your own opinions. Uh, We hope that uh, this podcast has been enjoyable for you to listen to. We hope that you'll Uh, Give us a positive review and that you will uh, share and like our Facebook page and um, that you will just continue to listen. Tell your friends. uh, Give us feedback. Feel free to message us on Facebook or uh, reach out to us by email. You can email us at faithfootballfriends at gmail.com. And um, we'd love to interact with you more. So thank you. For listening, we hope that you've uh, enjoyed it as much as we have. Y'all have a great day, week, and month, and we'll hear from you next week.